0: business has been long in the making. Many people have contributed to it. And it really represents a part of a new paradigm in healthcare, which is instead of treating the symptoms of stress with excessive dependency p- upon drugs, medications, and procedures, we can now, because of the advances in neuroscience in the last 10 years, and our understanding, much of which has come from people in this room, rewire the stress response. We can go right to the root of the problem. So that all of these things we've considered to be problems, which are just mainly symptoms of stress can be more apt to be treatable. What this is is um, an integration of stress research, neuroplasticity, and attachment theory. Are you still with me? OK. So again, it's making me feel very old. Um, th- this, I started this in 1979. Kelly, I knew Kelly at the time, and, and essentially with pediatric obesity. You know, there's, there's this girl in the, in the clinic right over here at, in, on Parnassus. And she told me, she's 15 and a half, and she says to me, that she spent 75% of her time thinking about weight and food. And I felt so sad and I thought, I was a nutritionist at the time, and I thought, you know, there's something at the roots of this and I don't think it's just a food and and a a diet and exercise problem. And so I began to look in the literature and explore what could be at the roots of this. And then I also know that between 1980 and, and 2000, uh, there was a incre- decrease in drugs, cigarettes, and alcohol in the United States, and there was an increase of obesity, overspending, and antidepressant use. So, as long as we chase symptoms, we have the risk of just, you know. You know, a quarter of the increase in, P- in obesity in this country has been shown to be due to the success of the anti-tobacco initiative. So we need to work hard at changing the environment. We also need to look at what are the root causes of, of this. And You can see how many different uh, family medicine, um, I began to, to apply this to a variety of health problems because it doesn't help if you stop being obese and you start smoking or you start being stuck on being depressed or being in rage, And so in 2004, Igor Mitrovich from the Department of Physiology got very excited about the method and started contributing to the science base. And in 2008, an EBT Center of Excellence here at Center for Health and Community. And then just recently, uh, Drs. Apple, Laraya, and Adler were funded for this to study it further. So what I want to do is just say that I, I do, deeply believe that particularly because of the human spirit but also because of advances in neuroscience that people can change. It's just that the treatments need to be consistent with neuroscience. Because in other words, if we can understand the science better, it helps us shape our interventions so that that we can actually um, construct them based on that. The idea in this method, this paradigm, is that we really focus on our wiring. It's not us when we go to the refrigerator, it's our wiring and the brain is highly plastic and we can begin to rewire it. To be really clear, I completely agree with what Kelly said about the fact that, that teaching people what to do, they don't seem to be changing. And I think part of that is because the idea is that most, most of the time what we've been doing is focusing on our explicit uh, learning. In other words, knowledge, insight, and decision making. But the truth is, that explicit memory uh, memory processing is about the size of a little freckle on your hand, in other words, just 40 pieces of information per second, uh, compared to your whole hand for unconscious memory. It's just flowing in all the time. Okay, so the idea is that even how we self-regulate is is hidden in our unconscious implicit memory systems. So, for example, when you say how you manage stress, you might say, well, I read the newspaper. Well, I, you know, I talk to my friends. I have a cup of coffee with my partner. I go for a run. I meditate. But the truth of the matter is self-regulation is happening right now. So self-regulation is happening all the time. And so how you process daily life is, is what is at the roots of, of whether you move through stress or rather than getting stuck in it. So what I'm suggesting is that, that what, if we can, now that we know more about what's, what's happened, for example, Liz Phelps at Ledoux's lab at NYU, she's shown that we can actually rewire um, uh, fear responses. Um, Jeffrey Schwartz at uh, University of California, Los Angeles, he has shown that you can change a, addictive drives with OCD through rewiring. So again, right as we're we're speaking, there's so much research coming out on neuroplasticity. And so how can we take that information to look at various stress symptoms, including compulsive eating? So what we do in EBT is to say, let's take our, our neocortex or prefrontal cortex, if you prefer, and monitor our emotional brain, which is essentially implicit learning and begin to check out what's going on inside of us and begin to rewire the circuits that promote uh, excessive stress. So let me tell you how this works. There's four rules in EBT and see how this sits with you. The first was stop all this focus on changing our behavior. Instead, just say, you know, whatever's going on here, it's obviously my wiring. Because as you know, neural circuits are laid down in response to experience so that we can take that forward. And in fact, now this is a tough one to look at, but in fact, it's hard for me to see too. But what I want you to see is, is this is the problem. When you think about the problem being someone's eating or someone's mood or their cognitions, I want you to think of this circuit instead. The way we process daily life, falls into two camps. There's essentially effective processing and ineffective processing. And the ineffective processing, this is a a non-anatomical representation of a neuronal stress circuit, which is really important to know about because this is done by Igor Mitrovich because when self-regulation is ineffective, you have an, an amplified response. You get triggered. Have you ever had that happen where you get triggered? You know you're overreacting. And then because of the cortisol, the prefrontal cortex, the the neocortex is not doing very well. So what happens is you have unreasonable expectations come out from past experience which are, are, actually um, emotional and then pretty soon you can't figure out what you're really upset about and these particular circuits are positive feedback loops which means they have no, no limits on them. So if you trigger these, these circuits what happens is you start careening out of control. You are have a terror response. You think you're really actually going to die and this is normal. And then what happens from there is that you've got to do something to get out of this hell that you're in, and so either a behavior, a thought, or an emotion, going numb, getting in a rage, Um, Obsessive thinking, analyzing everything, smoking, drinking, overeating, whatever, something that gets you back, not quite to perfect, but that's a circuit. These circuits are the problem because most of our stress is actually self-created. It's once these circuits are laid down and they're laid down in the first three years of life before the prefrontal cortex is, is, has been um, matured and during stress, then over and over again, we feel like a broken record. And if you take away the corrective response of food, If you have these going on, what happens is then you get a a corrective response of restrained eating (laughs) or smoking or drinking, okay? So the idea is these circuits are the problem, and the solution is to rewire them into homeostatic circuits where there is the, it's a negative feedback loop, there's flickering, they're very effective, so you you don't overblow it, Um, you have reasonable expectations, and you do something that gets you back to this, this state of reward that's the goal of homeostasis. So we're, in other words, we're taking them out of this box of all these allostatic circuits, and we're rewiring them into the homeostatic circuits. So it's, this is very important for behavioral treatment and for obesity, because the idea is that if we treat, if you treat the behavior instead of treating the whole wire, because that first part of it, that subcortical processing, the emotional part, is, can be really, really strong and even, even terrifying, then what happens is you just develop another behavior and you don't get very good compliance with the behavioral change because it's driven by emotions and unconscious expectations that are very strong, like I don't matter, or I have to do it perfectly, or no matter what I do, it won't turn out. So this cuts into the effectiveness of behavioral and can victimize individuals because they switch to another substitute behavior in that circuit and they end up thinking that they've failed, or then we start trying to figure out how to stop restrained eating <laughs> instead of understanding that that's just the corrective response that's maladaptive as part of an allostatic circuit. Also, the, the circuits that are encoded in a full-blown stress response because have got to remember that even though there aren't a lot of lions in our living room right now, our brain thinks there are. And as a consequence, when we're in a full-blown stress response, we are going to have an association between survival and something else because we're going to get out of that black hole of that positive feedback loop with stress. So we form unconscious expectations, such as I get my safety, my survival from food, or uh, I get my safety or my survival from smoking or from being depressed or from being negative or whatever those are. Those survival circuits are so powerful that if you come along and say, I'm going to take away your food, (laughs) I mean, how stressful is that? So until that circuit's broken, and reconsolidated, it's not reasonable to expect that someone will change their behavior. So, th- so we all have all these circuits—the homeostatic, effective ones, and the the uh, the maladaptive, ineffective ones—going on all the time. And they're shooting off 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 either way. And what's important is that these circuits actually trigger brain states. And this is basically axiomatic for physiology, which is that as, as the um, as stress increases, the dominant brain area goes from the, the neocortex all the way down to the reptilian brain. So a different part of our brain is in charge, is, in, is dominant, depending upon uh, how much stress we have. And this is just survival of the species. That the fact is, the lower parts are quicker. So this is universal. These things I'm sharing with you are are universal. They're not just uh, this person or that person. If you just put brain states, arbitrarily we're using five here. Uh, What happens is the more you go into a stressed brain state, the more emotions, thoughts, and behaviors become extreme. What I want you to know is it's normal for them to be extreme. It's normal. And because there's a lion chasing us. And so we're going to go to extremes. And it's not wrong or bad. It's in fact normal. And so, because of that, it makes it easier because we can actually figure out characteristics of different brain states. So let's say we have, we have five brain states here. One is feeling great, you know. <laughs> uh, four is what I was at noontime when I was <laughs> anticipating coming up and giving this talk. So you can see the whole range. And then predictably, let's see if I can get this to happen. Not happening. Um, Cognitively, you know, when we're at one, brains say one, we can think magnificent thoughts, we're creative, and then it goes down here from there until we're completely irrational and obsessed. Uh, emotionally, joyous and joy is not happiness. You can be happy at five eating ice cream, believe me. Joyous is a brain state in which you have uh, neural integration, in which you have a, a connection. Um, and you have a sense of being able to feel both the positive and negative feel, feelings at a higher level. In other words, balance and, and reward circuitry activation, that kind of glow you feel in your body from a sense of meaning. All the way down to being terrified. What's important about this is that in our medical care system now we'll look at people in brain state four or five and say well are you depressed, are you anxious, are you enraged, are you numb, are you manic high, what is it? And then the reason we do that is because we're looking at, at medications. But in fact they're all interchangeable at this brain state. Okay. it's so one or one or the other we all, in that brain state we're all that way. Relationships go from being intimate to merged and disengaged and behaviors when you're at, At brain state one, apples taste great. At brain state five, give me a break. You're not going to want them because you're in a different brain state. Also, when we're treating something like compulsive eating and getting really narrow about things instead of treating the stress, we might say, well, Behaviorally, someone's in, in brain state five and they're, they're having binge eating disorder, right? In that, in that moment, they're in brain state five. And so the fact is that they may have four or five destructive behaviors. It's going to be extreme, oversleeping, undersleeping, ec- overexercise, under. And there's all these other symptoms of stress that are going on that are making it really difficult to treat this with effectiveness because we're not really seeing the whole person, we're just seeing their diagnosis. So all of these brain states, you, you and I and everyone in this room have five people inside of us at each of the brain states. And we spend different amounts of time in each of those brain states, but all of us, and I, I find this to be very liberating to say I get to be at brain state five and I'm as extreme as I need to be at five like everyone else in the human race. So the idea is that those brain states, not, you're not good when you're at one and bad when you're at five, they're just brain states, but they have different consequences. One of the consequences is that the human brain has the capacity to give you endless pleasure almost regardless of circumstance because the prefrontal cortex is attached to the emotional systems in the limbic brain. And as a consequence, if you think magnificent thoughts, like being here for a reason, you can actually excite uh, and arouse the neural circuitry and you can feel a chill of feeling really good all over your body. There's only one, one limit which is you can't be in stress because you can't focus when in stress and you've got the whole, um, all of the survival drives going. And number two, it can't be anything you ingest, inject or acquire. It's uh, the work that's been done on this by Yuri is that it's the eudonic rewards, the being of purpose, that's something that furthers the species, which is joy. And the reason I say that is because short-term survival is based on being able to marshal an effective stress response, but long-term survival of the species—that we don't blow up the planet—is our capacity to be in that uh, that compassionate state that's called brain state one. So lifestyle rewards, um, and when we're in, bra- in the in the stress states, what happens is we can't access natural rewards. We're reward insufficient, and we can't get the eudonic rewards of of you know being. Uh, in a state of well-being and in, in a state of, of giving back and doing more for the planet. Um, and as a consequence, we have to default to hedonic rewards. That's the only reward we have left. And the brain's reward driven, so it's going to get one one, or the, one way or the other. So these brain states, as we know from Bruce McEwen's work, uh, tend to become persistent. And we, in, with enough stress and enough re- repetitions of there's enough wear and tear, um, on the body and mind that, in fact, um, uh, we get stuck in that state and then we, we don't even know how we could ever feel good again. But the truth is we can begin to um, train the brain to decrease the strength and dominance of those circuits of ineffective um, processing and increase the others. And the way we do that is just go back to mother nature. And in, in fact, in secure attachment, a parent, resonates with a child at all five of the brain states and brings the child back to a state of one. That's what moms do and dads do. And so if we uh, figure that we could just actually do what moms do, except do it for ourselves, instead of dyadic attunement, checking in and appraising our state, what moms do, we can go ahead and check in ourselves. We can figure out what tool to use, and it's not one-size-fits-all. Because remember, in these different brain states, a different area of the brain is actually in charge, right? And so it doesn't make sense that the same process would work when you're essentially being affected by your reptilian brain as opposed to being in a state of of well-being. And so the idea here is that we have the power to replicate secure attachment with some tools. And uh, in fact, that's what these tools are about, is they just simply replicate what goes on between a parent and child, and that's the, the idea is to give the easiest, quickest way to get back to feeling good. The other part of this is that those circuits that I mentioned that, are, that attach us to the food, those need to be actually rewired individually. And so be, using one of the tools to take away the survival drive becomes really important. Now, I don't know if that makes sense to you, but the idea is that, that the that stress is good. And this is the other part, we, Igor and I were just giving a class for medical students and they said, they said you know what, uh, this one more woman comes in, into the class and she says, she's doing EBT, right, and she says, I had the best week, you know, my husband had work problems, I had a paper due, and I got a horrible headache. It was such a great week. And we said, what is it? She says, well, I had so many mo- moments of opportunity to rewire. Because, and this is about state specific memory, is that in order to reconsolidate a circuit, you've got to be about in the same emotional state as you were in when it was encoded. So it means that all five states, it's drawer wise in the brain, all five states are good because she was in brain state four, which is optimal for rewiring. And so she could actually go in and use the tool for that and it would begin to weaken that allostatic circuit. Does that make sense? So no matter what state you're in, it's a moment of opportunity for rewiring, to rewire your brain from stress to positive feelings. So this is actually pretty simple. You go through your day and you check uh, to see what level of stress you are in. And then you just use the tool that mirrors secure attachment. And that's the easiest, quickest way to get back to brain state one where you feel rewarded and balanced. And these are brain-based tools, so we've begun to actually translate it into other languages. <coughs> and the idea also is to know that this is not easy. I want you to know that this is not easy. It takes about four weeks of an introductory course. That's what we've given for faculty, about 100 faculty here through the Chancellor's Council on Faculty Life, is it just to figure out in your prefrontal cortex in your, what is what to do. And then you've got this emotional brain that really likes to be stuck in stress. And so you've got to coax it back to brain state one over and over again. So we start in an allostatic state. And in that state, the brain prefers to be in stress. So you you know, if you have moments of joy, it's going to feel stressful, right? And so what you're doing is retraining that brain because it only learns by experience, not by insight or decision-making or knowledge. So you just say, okay, it's a new world for me. I'm going to move through my day. And why not get to one? Why not get to one? I, I have the tools to get from each of the states back to one. Why not do it more of the time? And so just it's a practice throughout the day. Switch, checking in, identifying your number, moving to one, over and over again until your brain learns this, this new state of homeostasis. And then what happens is it becomes easier to lose weight uh, the stress symptoms begin to fade, uh, we start to be so uh, have so much emotional joy, such natural joy in our lives that uh, we even forget how we used to feel. And that's one of the problems because it goes from conscious memory into unconscious and you don't really know why you feel better, but it's because you've been able to potentially um, experience a different way of processing stress. So this is one study. Um, on, uh, that was conducted at UCSF. And in, as you know, with most interventions, what happens is that there's a, an effect during the intervention and then it slips back to where it was before. And that's our problem, the rebound. And, but instead, with depression, it, it stayed down. With weight, it stayed down. With exercise, instead of going to the gym and then skipping it, people were exercising because they felt great. They felt like exercising. Their, their mood had improved and blood pressure went down. So we need this much more research on this method, but I think there are some implications for uh, for, for compulsive eating. The first thing is, if you, th- if you see someone and you get drawn into their specific stress symptom, uh, take a deep breath and stand back and say, this makes perfect sense that they would be doing this. They're stuck at brain state three or four or five, and this is just one of the symptoms that's there that they're presenting to me, but there might be others. And the solution is to get their brain state uh, that, that's um, a set point, moved up into the homeostatic range. So the problem is the stress circuits. And we, can rec- we know now that we can begin to reconsolidate them. Second is, uh, turning off the, asking someone to change their behavior when they have unstoppable survival drives to overeat does not seem uh, to be a good idea. Uh, we, you know, because what happens is then you develop all these other symptoms. So instead, let's encourage a healthy way of living, natural pleasures, but let's first rewire the circuits that are creating unstoppable drives for that particular external solution. And last, um, the idea is to rewire self-regulation so we spend more moments of the day at at Brain State 1 and then begin to change lifestyle, medical care, to offload stress. So that's the idea is that that we have an opportunity now with these breakthroughs in in neuroscience to think of these novel interventions to perhaps rewire self-regulation and not necessarily get so uh, focused on one particular stress symptom because, for example, the girl that I mentioned to you who said that she spent 75% of her time thinking about diet and weight, what happens if I stopped, did something or other to stop her drive to overeat, and she still was stuck in stress. She was still wired at brain state four or five. She'd develop another symptom. Then I'd have to chase another symptom, and she'd have to chase it, and she'd blame herself because, you know, she hadn't. It hadn't worked out. So, um, my suggestion is that there's a lot uh, that we're now learning about neuroscience, and that there's a lot of. of possibility in just using secure attachment and rewiring our brain from stress to joy so that not just one symptom fades, but the whole range of them possibly could.